Hey, uh, don't fast forward. I want to share some information about a special deal with you. Bounce Athletics is offering 343 listeners and members a 10% discount on orders of premium custom soccer balls and training vests. That's right. Bounce Athletics products are fully customizable, which means you can get your school or your club or your camp logo right on the balls or the vests when you order. I've personally tested their mini balls, camp balls, NFHS approved balls, and I was thoroughly impressed with everything. And so was the U12 player that I just finished training this morning. If you are running a soccer camp in 2019, Bounce Athletics can offer you fully customized, micro-stitched, textured, premium camp soccer balls for under $9 per ball. These are the same exact balls that are used by major D1 college programs for their camps, such as Wake Forest, Creighton, Texas Tech, Michigan State, just to name a handful. To receive free shipping with delivery in May, just place your order by February 15th, 2019. Email info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process and make sure that you mention 343 so you get your 10% off of your order. This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Brianna Vasali knows a thing or two about what it takes to achieve a goal, quite literally. And she also knows what it takes to overcome adversity. As a young player growing up in Northern California's Bay Area, she was never the biggest or the strongest player. In fact, at just over five feet tall, she still isn't the biggest or the strongest player. But from a young age, she knew that if she wanted to stand out, She had to be different and better than the rest. And she knew that in order to achieve that, it was going to require a ton of extra work. So outside of team training sessions, Bree would spend her time juggling the ball around her entire block, working on turns inside of her garage and hitting the ball against the curb for endless amounts of hours. She would also wake up every morning at 5.30 a.m. to go to the gym with her parents. Needless to say, Bree was down to put in the work. And as she climbed the ladder of American soccer, through club soccer, then college, all the way up to the national team, and eventually the NWSL, things never, ever got easier. And that extra work has never, ever stopped. This conversation with Bree was recorded shortly after her move from American soccer to West Ham United, a historic club in England's Premier League. We actually had to reschedule our call to accommodate her game that was against Manchester United. At just 23 years old, Bree is already someone that players, parents, and coaches can learn a lot from. Specifically, her desire to define her why instead of just setting goals. And you will hear us talk a lot about that throughout this entire episode. This podcast is brought to you by the 343 Coaching Education Membership Program. 
It is, without a doubt, the best and most affordable solution to American soccer's coaching education problem. It's full of activities and lessons that are proven to work. That's why I continue to recommend it week after week on this podcast. I was fortunate enough to travel and watch 343 training sessions and games live and in person for years. That experience of doing that completely changed the way that I coach and totally improved my understanding of the game itself. Now, all of that travel and all of that time that I spent is not necessary. You can learn the proven possession-based you can learn the proven possession-based methodology online by watching and listening to real training sessions and real games led by one of the best coaches in the country. A 343 membership gives you access to the proven training methods through video and audio lessons, ebooks, and forums that connect you with other like-minded coaches that are learning alongside you. I consider this to be like an online mentorship experience for serious soccer coaches that are hungry to learn and get better. And it's simply something that you cannot find anywhere else. To learn more information about the program or to sign up and join the community of thousands of coaches that are currently learning from the best, visit 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Let's get into today's episode. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Brianna Vasali. Okay, all good. Awesome. Sorry about the confusion. No. I honestly thought... I was being early, and then he's like, <laughs> hey, you're late. And I'm like, what? <laughs> All good. No problem. Um, yeah, it's always, it's always kind of funky, like, uh, having to go through a third party. Not, it's it's nothing uncommon, but um, when there's, like, that, that middle person and no direct contact, it's like, all right, I'm just going to sit here and, and hope and pray that it works <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I should have messaged you yesterday and just touched base anyway. So that's my bad, but oh, all good. All good. <sighs> yeah. Um, he, uh, he mentioned that you had a, a change in training schedule. So that's why I think we rescheduled from our original call. Yeah. He said Wednesday, I think. And yeah. I was like, um, that's, when I have to play against Man United, I can't. You can't miss that game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I can't really answer the phone. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, I'm I'm super excited to kind of get to know a little bit more about your story. Um, I don't know if you know anything at all about uh, my podcast or, or you know what what we do, but I I like to interview players and kind of hear about their their backgrounds and what led them to where they are today. And I think that you have a really interesting and unique story because you um you, you decided to make the the trek to to europe which is very exciting so i want to i want to learn about that process yeah absolutely so i don't really know you <laughs> yeah um so i guess uh well i want i want actually i want to start with a question i've never asked before because this is funny i always do a little bit of research or or i, I try to do a little bit of research um especially if I don't know the person, but, uh, what does it feel like to have a Wikipedia page? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That was kind of weird. And that's really new for me. Um, 
It's interesting because at first I thought, you know, Twitter verification and Instagram, you know, all the social media platforms would be like the first thing, but I got a Wikipedia and I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) So I was flattered. And then I kind of looked over the information. I was like, "Mm, can't read too much into it. But then I was like, okay, well, you know, what if they say I'm like really heavy, you know, or like, (laughs) like stupid girl things. I know it sounds silly, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. The real important things, you know? yeah that's so funny interesting um, yes okay well let's uh let's kind of just let's dive in head first tell maybe if you could explain to uh the people that are listening oh this is pre-recorded by the way so it's not live just so you know um awesome yeah uh so if you could just I- explain to people that are listening maybe who you are um where you are and, and then we can kind of pick your pick your story apart and figure out how you got to to this point where you're at today yeah, sounds wonderful. Um, my name is Brianna Vaisali. Um, I'm also known as Bree in the soccer world. Uh, I'm 23 years old, and I'm technically a American citizen, um, but I'm currently playing in London, and I'm also a British citizen, and that's why I'm here, luckily. Um, that little caveat is very, very important. Um, but I it's interesting. I was writing down kind of like my, I I like to start every year off with defining like my why in life, like why I'm doing the things that I do. Um, I find that it's really important, almost more important than setting goals because, you know, you can say, you know, I want this outcome, but at the end of the day, the process is the day in day out. And if you don't have something that can potentially combat, you know, some of the pain or there's so many highs and lows in soccer or football, I should say. Um, so that being said, um, it was interesting when I was defining, defining my why I was going over, how did I get here? And, uh, the first thing that I wrote in my journal was failure, um, and rejection. And, uh, my journey started off technically in Chicago, actually today, a year ago, um, I was drafted by the Chicago Red Stars and, um, yeah, I thought, you know, awesome. I get to play in NWSL. This is amazing. And, um, it was a little different than my expectations. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a guaranteed spot on the team and, uh, they already have technically what they're going for. So I, you know what I mean? You're just kind of naive when you come out of the college system, you're like, oh yeah, just get to walk on to a professional team and it's not really like that. So, um, I didn't end up getting signed to the red stars and spent four months in Chicago with a host family who kindly let me stay with them rent free. And I worked one job before practice and then another job at night and then, uh, would go to practice obviously in the day and then eventually found someone to get me abroad and, that's why I'm here now. So yeah. <laughs> and and where where are you? Because you didn't say what team you're with. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm in. I'm playing for West Ham United, and I'm living in London currently, East London. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. Um, man, there's there's so many things that you just mentioned in like a, a two or three minute introduction that are so powerful and so important and actually mean a lot to us so again like going back to like you might not know anything about our podcast or what we do or or, or whatever but just a second ago 
I hit publish on today's podcast episode that went out that's all about the MLS draft and uh, the MLS combine and our own personal experiences working with players that have been part of that process and people that have been drafted and then you know go through preseason and then just get discarded and it, it sounds like you've kind of been through that entire process as well which is um you know pe- people don't i may oh see I, i'm gonna get myself in trouble if i say this out loud. i'm gonna say it anyways people don't realize that you know this these same problems that are happening on the men's side are happening on the women's side of the game in american soccer as well and it kind of just gets pushed aside because the mls kind of takes center stage um so i know that people are gonna you know be angry faced right now that I just said that out loud, but I think it's a, I think it's a truth. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's a huge reality and that's part of my story. And, you know, as much as people want to be upset about, you know, the system, it is what it is at the end of the day. Um, I, I can't sit back and get angry. I, if anything, it's a challenge for me to become a better player, but I mean, it's a little disheartening when you're wrapped up in this idea of um, pursuing your career and then you're told, no, you're not, you know what I mean? And you get told like, you can stay and practice, but that's it. You're not getting a contract. We're not paying you. So it's like, you know, it's like, I I agree. I've been there. And, um, I tried to change it though, instead of dwelling more so on that definitive, you know, because what my coach maybe didn't see in me in Chicago, maybe another coach would appreciate. And, um, Obviously, it's a challenge to grow to as a player. So, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting system, and I agree with you. Um, but I think I've had time and perspective to be like, no, you're going to grow from this. Don't let this define you, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that's really interesting to me, too, is that you know, as you get to a point where you're going to like a, a draft like a uh, or something like that or a combine or – um, yeah, just, it just, it just, you know, the top level of soccer in the United States or in the world, um, you're dealing with people that have for the most part been the best players on their teams throughout their entire youth or throughout their entire careers. Right. So even if you're dealing with like a second division player, you know, that second division player was more, more than likely the best player in their team growing up. And so they're used to being successful. They're used to, you know, being the star of the show, things like that. And then all of a sudden you, you run into these speed bumps where you're experiencing rejection for the first time maybe or failure for the first time being told no. And and that can wreck a player. Um, yeah. And, and I've seen it. I mean, it's not – and that's the ugly side. And I think a lot of players fall through the cracks that are so, so talented but, like, cannot handle the mental side of the game, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree. And I think um, – it's easily overlooked because everyone wants to look at your numbers, your stats and say, Oh, she's projected to go this round. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean diddly squat. You know what I mean? Like it, it means almost more how you can handle even your first year as a rookie. Let's say you do get on a squad, you get a contract and you are playing. There's teammates that are gunning for your position. You're, you're never in a moment of like, oh, this is great contentment. Like I'm the woman on fire, if that makes any sense. Like (laughs) you're the man on fire. Like, you you know, you're in your own, you're, you're constantly wrestling with, and that's the other thing too. I think people overlook, it's just, it's a huge mental game. I'd say it's 90% mental and 10% actual like physical. 
and especially being here in London playing for West Ham, it's a lot more tactical and the football is more technical. So I can't easily outsmart a player because I'm not the largest or tallest, I should say, or you know what I mean? I'm not the typical American athlete. Um, but like, yeah, <laughs> there's players just like me in this league, if that makes any sense. So thinking speed and speed of play, all of that becomes so important. And that's, in my opinion, decision-making, again, coming back to your mental. So, yeah, it's interesting when you're at this level. I want to I rewind and go all the way back to your youth career. I noticed that you played for De Anza Force, and I was coaching girls' soccer, let's see, four, I stopped four years ago when I was, yeah, I stopped coaching girls' soccer four years ago. But while I was coaching girls' soccer, I had come across a video of Danza Force and it was like of a, of a youth girls team just playing absolutely beautiful soccer and, you know, come to find out, uh, Albert Puig is, is working with the club. He's a, a name that a lot of people know now from, um, FC Barcelona that came over to America and was helping coaches and teams here. And, and so like Danza Force became like literally a force in, in American youth soccer. And, and so you were part of that club, if I'm not mistaken. So I wanted to hear a little bit about that experience going, going through that club. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was able to play with the force for a couple of years. Um, but for the most part, I was actually competing against the force. Oh, wow. And, um, I was with like a no name club and to be honest, like my story is riddled with, you know, you're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're not tall enough. You, you know what I mean? Like even when I went to college, oh, you'll never play. You're too small. Thanks. Oh, you're going to the draft. Oh, you're never going to get drafted. You're too small. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's a constant and I don't want that to be my motivation in life is like, oh, I'm going to prove them wrong. But um, yeah, definitely when I would play De Anza specifically, it was beautiful soccer and I, you know, eventually it joined them. Um, but yeah, it's amazing the the amount of players that they turn out. I mean, look at Tierna Davidson. She just got drafted number one overall this draft. Um, and I think Tegan McGrady played for MVLA. She's another um, draft pick that went in the first round. Uh, a lot of those girls, actually, that I grew up playing with and against are world-class world players. And it's because of that environment that you're talking about, that kind of European-style soccer that – at a young age gets brought in by these amazing coaches like you had mentioned. And what's really shocking to me is that the East Bay area specifically um, is, is just like a hotbed for talent, especially in the youth girls game. And to my knowledge, there is, there is no professional outlet in, in that immediate area for, for women's soccer. So, Really, you just have like this a, a bunch of fantastic youth girls so- soccer teams, and really nowhere for them to go to other than college soccer, which is really disheartening. No, I agree with you completely. In fact, it was funny. Someone asked me, "Oh, did you always aspire to be a professional soccer player?" And I was like, "No, I never really had that experience where I went to the games. I used to go to San Jose Earthquakes games when I was a kid, but." that's not a chick out there. Like those are all dudes. Like, (laughs) you know, it's great. You know, it's fun. It's a good environment, but I'm not seeing like that type of path, if that makes any sense. And I still think it's, it's mind blowing because it's a huge market there. I mean, I even think about the trainings that I would pay for 
And, you know, my parents would sacrifice money for me to get one-on-ones with coaches, if that makes any sense. And it's still surprising to me. I think maybe FC Gold Pride was there for one year. I don't know if you remember them. I do. I do. <laughs> and and Marta was there. And I remember watching Marta and I was like, holy cow. But like you don't ever see that as an, a career path, if that makes any sense. Um, because it's so far and few in between. And like you said, it's only to college that you can go through. And since being here in London, you see, oh, no, like there's a different route to play professional. You can go through an academy and like – actually be treated like that's your trade and um it's interesting just the different infrastructure i would say between the two that's very interesting yeah what do you think that you did differently when you were going through your youth career that that just enabled you to keep pushing forward and 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 make it to where you have made it today um I definitely think while I I say I don't want to be motivated by, you know, let me prove the haters wrong. Like (laughs) it definitely, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it definitely was something that pissed me off. Like I was like, how dare you put a label on me and tell me what I can or can't do. You know what I mean? It's like, who are you? So to be honest, I am one of those weird kids. Like if you were to ask my parents, like I would spend, I'd come home. I'd go to the gym with them at 5 a.m. and I would do some sort of workout with them. And this is in like – it started in junior high because my parents got a gym membership and it was kind of like when they went, they had to bring me, but I would work out with them. So started at like a really young age of going to the gym. So 5 a.m. usually in, in high school, I would start going to the gym and then have school and then – go to practice, come home, still want to be playing. So I ended up using, I used to juggle the ball around the block. I know it sounds weird, but like I would make sure the ball didn't drop and I would walk and juggle. And then if I couldn't do that one night, I would smash the ball into the curb and then like try to pass and receive and turn. And then I would be in the, you know, garage working on footwork when the, there was no lights outside. And I was, I was just a weird kid, like completely unusual, not like, I don't know. I just was always wanting to play and wanting more. I think the best way to describe it is like like an intense hunger for something. And I I just couldn't help but wanting to do my best. And that was with everything pretty much I did. So school was something that I attacked and obviously sport. But, I mean, it ended up paying for my school. So that was nice. It's always nice. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I, I kind of – was like, no, like I'm passionate about this. I want to keep going. And then it, I think it was like my sophomore year in college, I came to the realization that this is something that I love. And I'm one of those freaks now that enjoys doing sprint workouts and, you know, loves pushing myself to the very brink of breaking because I just couldn't get enough, if that makes any sense, and wanted to see what I was capable of. So I don't, I don't know what to call that, <laughs> but that was me. <laughs> I, I know it's weird. It <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like a lot of that experience that you, that you just described was self-motivated. And, um, and, and I guess what I, what I'm curious about, because and I'll, I'll frame the question. Um, a lot of parents are going to be listening to this podcast and they're always wondering what they can do for their kids to, you know, better <laughs> enable them to go down this path. Right. And, 
a lot of times the players that that are the best players that that make it are very very self motivated, and if players need to be encouraged or pushed to do extra training twice per week, or if they need to be dropped off, um, you know, somewhere in order to to practice on their own or practice with anybody, that's that's not always um, the the right recipe for success. And so I'm I'm curious what your parents maybe did differently or what your parents did for you uh, and, and how they became part of your story other than, you know, just, you know, being your mom and dad. Yeah. I mean, obviously I want to give credit to them. They're probably going to listen to all of this and be like, <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, like I said, I was a weird, I don't, I don't want to say weird. I was just, you know, highly self-motivated and unfortunately like parents want the best for their kids and they're willing to do anything for them. And it's honestly admirable, you know, to be so selfless. And my parents did the same thing. Like they made financial sacrifices and, um, time sacrifices. Hell, they came to practically every college game that I played in. But at the end of the day, you know, even at the draft, my stepdad's like, aren't you proud that we, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, we, in my head, right? <laughs> and I'm like, we, what the hell? You know what I mean? I was like, you didn't wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and like push yourself. And I, I know it sounds terrible, but like it, it really does come down to the kid. Like you, you really got to want it. And actually that's a lesson that I learned even uh, after I finished my college career and I was, you know, working on my professional career is, you know, you're going to get told no so many times that you're going to have a day where you break down and you're like, am I actually supposed to be doing this with my life? Like, <laughs> it's not like an easy walk in the park. And if you can't believe in yourself and fully like grasp that you can do it and, you know, you're supposed to be there slash your passion outweighs the pain that you're going through. Um, unfortunately, it's not meant for many. I mean, it's like what? 1% of the population are professional athletes. And it's, you know, it's not like every single kid's going to make it that far, if that makes any sense. It's just not for everyone. Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. It's a part-time DOC. I had a budget and you know, we needed training gear every year and it just was getting more and more difficult to find decent, high quality, affordable training balls. That's Zach. He's the co-founder of Bounce Athletics. And as a coach, he was having a hard time finding quality soccer balls at an affordable price. So he started searching for ways to solve that problem for himself and for others. We've been able to experiment with a lot of different textured materials and construction methods. And, and I think we've really got it dialed in to, to where now, you know, with, with our training balls, we're providing super high level training balls that have all the modern technology in them for a fraction of the price of global brands. Zach and Bounce Athletics are offering 343 members and listeners 10% off orders of those custom premium soccer balls that he was just talking about. If you are hosting a soccer camp this summer and you want to get 10% off camp balls with free shipping and receive everything by May, just place your order with Bounce Athletics by February 15th. Email info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process and be sure to mention 343 to receive your 10% discount. All right, let's get back to the show. Talk a little bit about 
your your college experience? Um, where where'd you go? What was that like being a a smaller player in a in a very physical college environment? And, and what were some of the things that you excelled at because of uh, the skills that you had developed of, of being a smaller player? And then and maybe what were some of the things that were a little bit more difficult? Yeah, um, I think definitely, and this is where I'll give my parents props, is like they never really said anything about my size or made it a thing. Actually, my stepdad used to call me his Rudy, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was hilarious after watching the movie with him. I was like, really? Um, but definitely think that uh, through the environment that I was in, in the youth programs, kind of like you mentioned the force, how technical it is, Um I think I was very technically gifted in retrospect. I mean, at the time I would be like, no, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I'm not that good. But like, when you look back, you're like, oh, the college game is really physical and fast. Um, I definitely think fitness was something that I had to work on in college and adapt and add to my game. And I'm forever grateful for it because I think it's something you have to have as a professional. Um, but I think my speed of play and – always having like a good spatial awareness really has put me in um, successful positions. In addition, I think uh, my senior year, I scored 14 goals, seven of which were PKs that I, I don't want to say manufactured because <laughs> some of them were well, you know, warranted. Um, but it comes down to gamesmanship, you know, taking a touch across a defender and making sure that if they're going to try to win that ball from you, they have to foul you. And it was like, Every single time I got in the box, I all I had to do was take a touch across a defender. And if she tried to slide or nick the ball for me, which she couldn't get, she was going to get me. And sure enough, it would literally happen every single game. And so I got seven goals from all the PKs that I got just being in the box, being crafty enough to just move the ball or even have the skill to keep it tight enough so that they couldn't poke it away, if that makes any sense. Um yeah, and then seven of which obviously were from the run of play, but um, it came down to obviously manipulating a back line and being able to practice that in college. And luckily I had a, a very technical team in general. Um, I'd say the West Coast Conference is a better soccer playing conference than most conferences that you see in the United States because um, it's more predicated usually on physicality large rosters and the ability to just kind of use players as I don't, I don't want to sound uh, I don't know how to say it like I don't know like another person to come off the bench you yeah. know it's just like they run through players instead of it just being tactical and technical so a smaller squad couldn't afford that kind of mentality if that makes any sense yeah Absolutely. I've had the, I've had the privilege of interviewing Anson Dorrance and he's, you know, pretty widely criticized for, um, using that method that you just described of having a big roster and, you know, subbing, 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 and, and just, you know, running, running over teams. And he, he he's 100% okay with it. Like he, he's at peace with, with his decisions. Like, yeah, like I I'm here to win. I'm not here to mess around. I'm going to win. And, and this is a, a winning formula. And no shame at all, which is, I, I think that mentality is badass. Other people um, hate on it, but, you know, the mentality is badass that he wants to be a winner, and I 100% agree with it. Do I like the style of play? Absolutely not. I watched the, the, the NCAA final this this last year, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, 
awful, but you know, his objective is to win. So I understand it and it, it has worked for him gloriously throughout the years. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen North Carolina, um, Pepperdine used to play them in preseason. Um, it was always a very fast and physical game, but I think, um, it's interesting because a lot of the girls I actually met in us camps and even in, um, Chicago and a lot of them are very technically gifted and actual soccer players. So it's interesting because when they do get together collectively as a squad, it is very, you know, let's run at them, so to speak. Um, but you see like the likes of Crystal Dunn, in my opinion, I think she's a very technically gifted player as well as an athletic player. Um, and I forget, gosh, I was just about to go on a whole nameless dropping of <laughs> North Carolina players. And of course, I'm like drawing a blank. But um, you know what I'm saying, though? It's like it's interesting because there are soccer players, too. But, yeah, I mean, you got to win. You got to win. I think that's his conference that he plays in, quite frankly, that probably requires that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I want to you've, – you've mentioned, you know, the experience of, you know, g- getting told no and, and being drafted and, and then um, not signed and – um, having having to bounce around, and we've we've kind of people are gonna uh, see. I, I need to frame this for you too, because you don't you don't know what the audience is is accustomed to. So people get mad frequently that we tend to focus on on negatives, uh, or I tend I I tend to focus on negatives. That's what they think at least. But okay, you mentioned that you were called into a national team camp, and. I want to know what your first reaction to that was because that has to be in my in my mind I'm thinking that has to be a moment of just complete joy. So describe that moment that that you got called in. Yeah, definitely. Um so the first time that I called in I got called into the US U23 camp was after we finished college season um last year and uh it was my first one ever. Um, I was not that player that got called in regularly into camps. And uh, I remember the the first second that I showed up, I, you know, obviously was very nervous, knew that there were seasoned players that I was amongst because you can tell they're always louder, um, which is nothing against them. They're just comfortable. I was not comfortable. Um, and uh, first time meeting BJ Snow, and he's an amazing coach. Um, in my opinion. And, uh, I was, I was scared because <laughs> I was like, holy crap, do I actually belong in this environment? And I remember my first practice, the first 10 minutes were kind of shocking. Like, you know how you can't catch your breath because your, your heartbeat is so rapid and you're so nervous and you're shaking almost like every touch on the ball, it feels like, you know, you're just shaking. Like you can't get a firm grip. Um, and then after the first 10 minutes kind of went by and I was I was hyperventilating almost, um, I would just remember being like, you know what, if you're going to be here, be here and enjoy it. Because at the end of the day, you're never going to get this time back and who knows when you'll be invited back. So I kind of like took a deep breath, let it go. And then uh, I actually had a moment with BJ after he pulled me aside and he was like, I'm just so glad you calm down after those first 10 minutes because you were just night and day. And I was like, I don't know. I was like fangirl. I was like, Oh, 
Like, that was so cool. BJ told me that. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was a crazy experience to be in that environment for the first time amongst like super seasoned people that have been there. Um, and Jill Ellis was actually at the first practice. I think that's why I damn near crapped my pants. Um, because I was like, oh my God, that's the full national team coach. And my brother, like, he is my number one fan, but he's also like one of those guys that reads into everything. So he like looks at the drafts and he's like, oh, so-and-so got drafted first round, second round, third round. You're like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, you know, if you have to show up for preseason and kick ass to get a contract. So anyways, he was like, oh, just so you know, uh, if you go to camp and Jill Ellis is there, you know, that means that they could potentially pull you into the full camp. So right when I see her, I'm like, oh, my God. And automatically I'm like shaking. Holy cow, it's Jill Ellis. If I, I got to win this header and I got to do this pass and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know why I was panicking. You know what I mean? It's just like enjoy that process of being there. And um, I look back on it and I kind of giggle because it's like, why did I – freak out but then um yeah I was definitely happy that I was able to take a breath and just be like you belong here like act like it don't act like such a fangirl um but definitely nerve-wracking and it was amazing experience to be there and, and in the environment I actually learned a lot and it was really reaffirming too because when you're at that level um you're like you know am I am am I tact tactically that smart or technically gifted and then when you have a coach affirming those things it at that level it's an amazing experience so yeah definitely unforgettable and one of the best camps I've ever been to um was my first camp actually so yeah it was amazing <laughs> was it was it your last camp as well no I'm I knew there was going to be another camp in January but I didn't want to get my hopes up so I didn't think about it as much as possible and I was religiously checking my email and then I eventually got an invite back and I just like started, oh, well, I didn't tell you. I started crying when I first got my invite because <laughs> I don't know, like as a player, all, I forgot to mention too, um, my grandpa was born in Canada and for a little while I was kicking out around the idea of, you know, circumventing the U.S. system and, um, you know, going to Canada and playing. But my mom was born in England, so I wasn't sure how to do that. But my coach reached out to the Canadian coach at the time and he was like, you know, we don't know who she is for one and two, you know, what's so quote unquote world class about her. And my coach was like, oh, she's a fit player. And I was like, really, dude, that's what you told him? <laughs> like, of all the things you could say to an international coach, it's not, hey, she's got a good engine. You know what I mean? I was like, come on, help me out here. Um, so when I had that rejection initially from the Canadian head coach, I was like, well, that's, that's crappy. Like, you know, that doesn't feel good. And, um, definitely kind of was disheartened at that point. So when I had received the email for the U S camp, I was just, I lost it because it's a childhood dream coming true. At that point, you get a shot to represent your country. Even if it is just in friendlies in camp, it's an amazing feeling to put on the crest and just represent, your country. It's, it's amazing. So anyways, I cried the second time again, like a baby. And, um, I called my parents on FaceTime. I was like, I did it. They're like, they knew already. They're like, did what? And I was like, you know, and they're like, we're so proud of you. <laughs> anyways. So yeah, I had that little <laughs> moment with my parents in January. And that was an interesting camp because, um, I was, I think, 
in my second camp and everybody else there this time was no longer, uh, you know, first or second camp. They were like people that have been in the youth programs. So it was, um, a little bit more intimidating at that point. Like not only was it intimidating my first camp, but these people were like legit poster childs of whatever age group they were part of, if that makes any sense. Like a lot of the girls rolled up with their U20 World Cup bags and I'm like, holy cow, you played in a World Cup? That's cool. (laughs) You know, I've never (laughs) done that. (laughs) So that was interesting in January to have that experience. And then um, following that camp, I actually got called into the full national team camp, but only as a practice player for like three days. Um, it's funny cause I went home from January camp and I start getting a phone call cause I, it's kind of hard. Like I slept well during camp, but you're so on edge. If that makes any sense, wanting to constantly be at your best that you never really rest. So when I got home, I was like, oh, I'm going to sleep in today. I'm going to turn it on silent, my phone. And for some reason I didn't. And I was sleeping in like the day after and I get a phone call and I like haphazardly like creep one eye open just to look at the phone and it's BJ calling me and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And I start panicking because I don't know why I just get weird when I'm on the phone with people, real nervous, tongue tied. Anyways, I'm like, hello, trying to act like I've been awake for hours. <laughs> He's like, hey, uh, are you in Malibu right now? Because I, I went to Pepperdine and I was like, um, no, BJ, I'm at home. And he's like, oh, like NorCal home. And I was like, yeah, Northern California home. And he's like, oh, never mind. Uh, I was going to call to see if you were able to make 3 p.m. practice today with the full national team. And I was like, hold the phone. Of course I can. I'll drive down there right now. Like, are you kidding me? Like, of course I'll go. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, that's that's crazy. Don't worry about it. I'll get someone else. And he hangs up the phone. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm definitely going to this <laughs> camp. So I kind of got on the phone, called my college coach, and was like, dude, what do I do? And he's like, freaking book a ticket. When are you going to ever get this experience back? And I'm like, you're absolutely right. So I booked a flight down there and luckily had a friend pick me up from the airport and drop me off at practice. But it was funny because BJ wasn't responding to me saying, Hey, I'm coming. And so then I said, Hey, I bought a plane ticket. I'm coming. I'll see you in LA. And he finally responded and he's like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I'm serious, dude. I want to be there. And he's like, you're crazy, but I secretly love it. And I was like, yeah, I know I do too. Okay, see ya. Like hung up the phone. <laughs> it's like super giddy. And then like obviously had that same first camp experience where I'm like jittery and it's literally all of the people that you grew up watching are in camp and you're playing with them. And um, I don't know, I think it was like in one of the shape things I was dribbling and someone smashed me from behind and I turn around, it's Kelly O'Hare. And I'm like, holy crap in my head. I'm like, I just got hit by Kelly. This is sick. Like just, just (laughs) ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous, but anyways, yes. A lot of positive experiences, um, especially when you've dreamed about these moments um, coming true and then you get to actually be in those environments. It's something unforgettable. Did those experiences well, uh, let me let me ask this a different way, actually. Does that feeling of like nervousness or um, anxiety, does that go away 
uh, over time or does it get easier to deal with over time? And, and I'm specifically, I guess, referring to maybe what it was like to show up at West Ham for the first time. Um, hell no. <laughs> Definitely is like something you're always going to feel. And I think that it shows you care and it's something that you're passionate about. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't have those nerves of caring so much. Uh, I think the best advice that I got from a teammate uh, was just connect the first pass and then the rest will flow. And that's been something that I've been practice, like I use whenever I feel those nerves is just connect that first pass. And it's your first vote of confidence, basically. That's how you just calm down and you get into the game, if that makes any sense. And um, that's been, you know, something that I try to use to cope with the nerves. But I think people would be lying if they said it gets easier. I think actually it gets greater in pressure because now you have expectations for yourself when you're in those environments on a regular basis. So mentally I frame my first camp as, you know, you're lucky to be there. And because of that, I just had fun, you know, because I didn't think I was going to get invited back. So similarly on the flip side of the coin, um, for people that get invited back constantly, it's like, okay, well I have to prove my worth for the starting 11. So there's always going to be those nerves. It's just how you deal with it. It's a very good way to think about it. Um, I'm, I'm curious. We're, we're talking. So people that are listening to this, we're, we're talking in just a few days after, after the new year in 2019. So I'm curious to, rewind all the way back to the beginning of the conversation and talk about maybe how you defined your why for this year and, and what's, what are some of the goals that you set now that you're in a new place? Um, you're, you're still a young player. There's, there's still a lot that can be accomplished. So what, what are, what are the goals and what are the whys behind those right now? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like I said earlier, like your why, in my opinion is the most important thing it's almost more important than the goals uh, because at the end of the day, you're not going to have a perfect practice. You're not going to have um, everything fall into line for you. I mean, that's just life in general. And so for me, my why this year, well, I mean, it's, it's always pretty similar, but the why helps me figure out. So I go through this exercise, sorry, I'll back up where I ask myself a series of questions for that year. So like, usually it'll be like, how did you get here? Who do you have to thank for you getting here? Um, why are you here? And what kind of legacy do you want to leave slash be remembered for? And so through those questions, I kind of figure out where I'm at mentally in that current moment. Um, but the, my why in years past has basically been, um, you know, because I'm passionate about this and it's, been something that I've loved for years. It's just a pure love. And I know it sounds oversimple and it is kind of simplified because there's a lot more to it. You know, if I were to read you my answers, um, it would explain kind of how I came to that point. And I think it's very important to know your why, because like you can go from the starting 11 to being on the bench in a blink of an eye, you know, it just depends on the coach and you can't control technically what he decides at times and how you mentally move on and deal with it and get better from it is like so important because 
you're never going to get anywhere if you can't figure out why you're doing it. You, you can't over, you can't get over those circumstances if you can't remember the important thing. And I have to remind myself, I'm not playing football for money because I don't really make diddly squat. I am playing football because I'm passionate about it. And it's something that brings me great joy, just even possession and passing patterns. So on the daily basis, I have to remember that the process is what gets me to my goals. Um, for instance, goal setting, like obviously my, so I'll, I'll backtrack my senior year. I had the goal of, uh, being player of the year. So what does that look like? So then I, I go backwards and I go, okay, well, in order for me to be player of the year, I have to score the most goals, um, or get the most assists. I, that means you typically average, I think in years past, when I looked at the statistical data, it was like a goal game or something in conference and something like, I forget what the assists were. So I was like, all right, that's my goal. Each game, I'm going to try to get a goal. And then from there, you backtrack even more. Okay, so how do you score goals? Well, I decided to not manufacture goals. I hate saying that, but, you know, be crafty in the box, be a fox in the box, try to find the ball and be in the right place at the right time. How do you do that? Well, you practice it at practice. How do you do that? Okay, well, then when you get in those situations, you have to be clinical. How do you be clinical? You practice. So I would get up before Wednesdays and Thursday practices and hit, I think, 40 balls total into the back of the net. And it was simple shots, but just the process of me seeing it hit the back of the net gave me that confidence in the game. I'm going to nail it. I've done this like 40 times each week, almost twice or three times a week, if that makes any sense, before practice. Um, and then from there, you know – that's where you get your process goals of like, okay, well, in order for me to be clinical in front of the goal, I have to show up and hit 40 balls because I know that's what's going to help me get to there. So it really breaks it down to like a step-by-step thing. But, you know, there's going to be those games where I don't score a goal and I don't get an assist. That is what it is. You know, you can't, sometimes it just doesn't work. So if I were to go home from those games every day, disappointed, I'd become a freaking head case and be like, oh my gosh, like I'm two goals down and I need to be technically three goals up, blah, blah, blah. I'm never going to get player of the year. It it just is too much stress. And then when you show up for the game, you're, you're shaken because you're wanting to score a goal, if that makes any sense. So at the end of the day, you have to remember your why because you could get fixated on the outcome, which are goals. Goals are outcome-based things. And a lot of times you can't control the outcome, but what you can control is your attitude, your energy, and the preparation that you put into it, which is the process in my opinion. So that links back to your why because it's greater than sometimes the disappointments that you're going to face in trying to attack your outcome-based goals. I know it sounds pretty wordy. I hope that makes a lot of sense, but that's something that's super important to me and I think has helped me over the years. Okay, well, you you said a lot of words, but what are what's the why or the goal for this year, though? The why or the goal for this year? Yeah, sorry, I was just trying to explain. <laughs> no, it's good. Why? Because it's good because it's it, now there's context behind it, so now everybody knows the process. But but now you're you know you're off to a brand new adventure, and so you have to go through this whole process. What you just described, you have to go through all of that again, and and this time it's in a in a very very foreign environment. So. Like literally foreign this time, so. <laughs> you know, it only totally is, yeah. Um, 
yeah, so this year I actually recently just went through the process and I'm, I've found that my why, and I also create like a purpose statement. I know it sounds super cheesy, but I say like, you know, my, okay, so I found something. This is it. Don't make fun of me for it. But basically it says my purpose is to live a life emboldened by my passion and tirelessly unwavered in my spitfire energy for myself and for those around me. Um, so like basically I find that through that exercise that I did, a couple words stood out to me, which was bold, um, spitfire energy and passion and for myself and for others. Cause at the end of the day, I think the best players make those around them better. Um, and so that's kind of the purpose statement that I come back to every day. So for instance, um, the long-term goal is obviously finish strong with West Ham this year. I would, I would have liked, I don't know if it's going to happen to be, you know, part of the FAWSL best 11. I don't know if they have that, but I think they have some sort of award at the end of the year. Then the other goal was to be invited into a full national team camp before the world cup. Um, it's really hard for me to talk about those goals only because, um, it becomes reality and it becomes something that I have to face on a daily basis. And then some of my process goals this year are to make sure that I am working on my 1v1s and some of my technical skills, maintaining like footwork, first touch, passing, um, shooting, all that stuff. And um, on a daily basis, I try to get in as much as I can, but it's a little difficult with the professional game having three games in one week. You know, I can't go out there and hit 40 balls at the goal, if that makes any sense. Like you have to make sure that you're recovering properly and preparing for the next game. But yeah, that's kind of vaguely where I'm at right now. That's awesome. Um, at the end of every interview, I ask everybody the same question. So I'm going to, I'll tell you the question and give you a second to think about it. And then, uh, and then you can answer it however you want. But the question is, um, what do people need to know? And, and just keep in mind that, you know, parents listen to this, players listen to this, a lot of coaches listen to this. Um, but if, if you had to, if you had to just say like one thing to the American soccer world and this was the microphone you were handed and, and, and the question was, what do people need to know? How, how would you maybe answer that? Or, or not maybe because I'm asking you for an answer, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but that's a lot of pressure, man. The whole soccer world. Um, I, hmm. If I had to tell the whole soccer world in the U.S., one piece of wisdom, it would be that if you want something, then you have to believe it deep down that it's going to be something that you can achieve. Um, otherwise, you're going to have a lot of people tell you no and a lot of people um, say that you're not good enough. But at the end of the day, uh, you decide and that's your choice. So, yeah. I know it's very general, no, but that's it's honest. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's good. Where where can people follow your journey and, and and connect with you and and just keep track of of what you're up to and how you're doing over at West Ham? Yeah, you can follow uh, my social media account on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Breva Sally. 
Um, and you can also follow West Ham Women on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I'm easily Googleable, according to you. I have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully somewhere it'll have a link to me. Um, or maybe you can tag a link in your podcast. Um, but yeah. Absolutely. Bree, I, I, this was one of the most energetic interviews I've ever done. so thank you so much for your time and for your energy and absolutely best of luck over there i'm going to keep tabs on you for sure um i'm I'm super interested in in how the rest of your season is going to go um so yeah just best of luck and if for whatever reason you feel like there's ever something that we can do for you just just let us know yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me, and I really appreciate it. Um, definitely going to subscribe. I love podcasts, <laughs> and so I'm so glad I found you. So this will be awesome. I'll be catching up and messaging you. And yeah, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.